I'd like to, um, I'd love, well, 20 years ago, friends, um, uh, the story was in, in two minutes, um, uh, I had finished my last job and was looking for a new job. And uh, I went to a, Lindsay and I had been for, I think we'd done eight interviews and we'd been offered every job and every job we thought, this is not the one, this is not the one, this is not the one. And uh, we got told one morning we had four weeks till we needed to move out of our house because we were in a curate's house because there was a new curate coming in. And that day I went to a day for clergy up at HCB and um, I sat at the back and obviously I must have looked pretty miserable because another guy came up to me called Ray and he said, what is wrong? And I said, oh, we've just turned down this last job. We knew it wasn't right, but... Uh, we've, you know, we've got four weeks now in which to get out of the house, and I've just discovered that Lindsay's pregnant, so we're really up the gum tree, as it were. And um, uh, he said, well, why? Did, did you apply, apply for St. Paul's Ealing? I said, I didn't even know there was a St. Paul's Ealing. And he said, that is the job for you. And um, uh, uh, we then left the conference, and I took him out for lunch and grilled him, and he knew nothing about it, really, but I <laughs> grilled him on it. And... Uh, I then, uh, I think we, did, I'm not sure even we had email then, I think I must have faxed or phoned or done something to Bishop Graham, said, is there any chance of applying? I think this was on the Wednesday. And he says, shortlisting closed weeks ago, and the interviews are on Monday, but you can send me your stuff anyway, you know. So I did, and um, he sent it to the church wardens, um, John James and Jane Rankmore who both very kindly, along with Bishop Graham, said, well, we'll stick him in the shortlist anyway in some way, shape or form. And we got the, came on the Monday for the interview, Monday and Tuesday, I think it was, hosted by Joy Hetherington and Cathy Webber. And uh, that was 20 years ago, and they said, yes, you can come, and the vicarage is empty, so you can move in, which was absolutely marvellous. So we didn't end up homeless, we ended up moving in and felt, this really was the place that God was calling us to, a church that, that was looking to grow and to see God's kingdom come. And these last 20 years have been part of that story of seeing God's kingdom come uh, in many people's lives. And uh, much of it was down to this man who actually said to me, Bishop Graham said to me, before he interviewed me, he said, uh, before he came to me, he said, now if you don't get this job, I've got another one for you. So I, when I went into the interview, I, I honestly thought, oh, Lord, obviously it's not this one. You've got another one for me. So I had such fun with the questions because <laughs> I thought, well, I'm not going to get the job anyway. So they asked me all sorts of difficult things. They said, what will you do with those who, you know, really don't like you and can't cope with what you're bringing? I said, oh, well, we'll just love the socks off them and anything else off them we can. Just, you know, win them over. We had great fun. So you can't imagine the surprise. <laughs> When at the end of the day, I went out for the rest of the day, I, I came back in the evening and Lindsay said to me, how did it go? And I said, well, I don't think I'll get the job at St. Paul's Ealing. I, I said, but the bishop reckons there might be something else for me somewhere. And uh, she said, would you like it? And I said, I'd absolutely love it. A church that is just beginning to see roots of growth come up and I'd love to be part of that. And uh, Lindsay being the kind, compassionate gentle, caring person she was, made me wait a whole other half hour till she told me I got the job.
terrible. But this is Bishop Graham. Let's give him a welcome, shall we? Former Bishop of Wilsdon, former Bishop of Carlisle, dear friend, an amazing man of God. Let's pray for him. Father, bless Graham as he encourages us this morning to be the people you call us to be, to see your kingdom come and only your name glorified. Amen. I remember that day very clearly, Mark. <laughs> when we appointed you uh, and your last-minute application, and we pushed you into the process. And I thought you looked exciting, but I wondered whether the church could cope with you. (laughs) (laughs) And to my surprise, uh, Jane and John were keen. It had to be God. And it's been absolutely thrilling, hasn't it? I mean, I'm overwhelmed, actually, at just what God has done here in 20 years. I think it's wonderful. I think this is what church should be like. I'd love to w- live and worship here. It's super. When I spoke to Mark on the phone during the week, I said, no, Mark, I don't have to wear robes, do I? <laughs> and he said, Graham, if you wear robes, you will look very odd. <laughs> <laughs> so he advised me on the dress code, which I hope I've got reasonably right. I was one of only two people in a tie last night. <laughs> uh, it's very similar to the dress code where we worship um, at St. Chad's Romilly. In fact, you know, I hardly ever wear a purple shirt, dog collar or robes. It's a bit different from being the Bishop of Carlisle. Um, the party last night was lovely. So many disciples have been made here. Hundreds of people. So many lives touched, as we heard And there was a great sense of God's journey, a purpose that began in 1907 or 1906 with the foundation stone. So good to hear Joy talking about all that. And then this ongoing journey of mission to this neighborhood, to India, more recently to Harrow. When I preached at the dedication of the reordering there in 1992, I preached from Haggai chapter 2, which says, I will shake the nations. There's just been a financial collapse. I will shake the nations. I will fill this house with glory. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And in this place, I will grant peace, says the Lord Almighty. My two points were, don't be afraid of the shaking. We've got more to come. And expect the Lord's glory. And at his institution service, Mark chose Philippians 2 on having the mind of a servant, as Jesus did. And it says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And one of my points was that you will find unity among you as you give yourselves to the interests of others, both in the church and outside it. And you have done that wonderfully. So 20 years on, we start with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving acknowledges that God is the giver of everything and he is so good. It's a fundamentally right attitude, thanksgiving. It's the best medicine for a healthy life. 
It keeps us healthy. So spend your days pouring out thanksgiving to God. And God has given you Mark and Dinsey. You've been wonderfully led by them. In my book, they are stars. I think you agree with that. And God has kept them here for 20 years. Maybe another 20. Your cup runs over. Thank you, God. Now, this anniversary is a good moment to think through again what church is all about, why we're here, what has God called us to be, what do we want to be in the next 20 years. And I could bring you a whole host of Bible passages which answer that question. But let's start with God's overall purpose. It's to set up his perfect rule on earth, his kingdom, to end the enemy's rule of sin and evil. We've been taught to pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. And from the smallest beginnings, as Jesus' parables tell us, the kingdom grows and grows so that the lordship of Christ will be recognized more and more. It's a battle. A battle for the kingdom of God on earth. But it's his purpose. Here's our identity. We are people of the kingdom of God. So let's say together our mantra, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Okay? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. That's our mantra prayer. Well, the kingdom of God burst onto the earth with Jesus. He said, you shall be my witnesses. Go and make disciples of all the nations. You've been doing that. Hundreds of new Christians and new congregations. You know, someone once said, the more pubs you have, the more beer you sell. Church planting is effective. And you've been discipling these Christians as well. Far too many churches make new believers, but they don't disciple them. Bill Johnson says that a great many Christians cross over the river into the promised land, they're born of God, and then they sit on the bank of the river instead of taking the strongholds in the promised land. Don't do that. We're here to take the strongholds and see God's rule. 1 John says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's why we pray for healing, to destroy the devil's work. That's why we work for justice, to destroy the devil's work. It's what Jack Hayford calls God's repossession of the earth. So we're the people of the kingdom of God and we're the people of God's repossession of what belongs to him. So don't keep sunbathing on the river bank of the promised land. Get up and take the devil's strongholds. You know, one of the biggest problems in our churches is keeping our older Christians growing and increasing in their effectiveness as disciples. People get bored. Don't think you've heard it all. You haven't. There's far more to discover than you could know in two lifetimes. I've been a Christian 58 years and I'm still learning so much. Work up your appetite to grow to know God better and see more strongholds taken. Jesus said, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them. 
to observe everything I've commanded you, the first twelve. And that's how the kingdom takes hold, through companies of disciples living out Jesus' teaching all over the world. Because disciples of Jesus create a better world, a better society, a company where God's teaching rules. So Bill Hybels of Willow Creek is absolutely right to say the local church is the hope of the world. You here are the hope of this neighborhood because you bring the beautiful teaching of Christ and his society into this neighborhood. Do you like it? Are you excited by it? You're not quite sure. Our identity is to be world changers. We're people of the kingdom of God, people of God's repossession. And don't lose heart if it seems hard going. What's our mantra again? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. You can pray the kingdom into every home, person, street, school, business, One of the things I like to do is to get churches in their intercessions to stand and face the school they're praying for and pray the kingdom into it. Face the streets where they live and pray the kingdom into it. Your kingdom come. You can pray the beautiful rule of God into any part of life. Do it Sunday by Sunday. I'm sure you will. And of course we promote the kingdom not only by praying for it, but by the values we promote and the things we do in the neighborhood. And you've made a terrific impact here. Now I said that with 58 years as a Christian, I'm still learning so much, and I want to share with you what I'm learning about the power of blessings to promote God's kingdom. Two years ago, the Healing Network in Carlisle asked me to go back to them and speak on blessings and curses. They actually called it something different because they didn't want to frighten people, but that was was what they were after. And I found Derek Prince's book, which is really the only book on the subject, and I reshaped it for my teaching. And ever since then, I've spoken many times on this subject, and the section on blessings just gets longer and longer, which is so exciting. It's what I want to share. The first thing to grasp is that all around us is an immense unseen realm of spiritual power. It's the realm of God who is spirit. We don't normally see this realm with our eyes. Occasionally, God draws back the curtain. This spiritual realm, which we also call heaven, is completely interwoven with our earthly reality that we do see. And that's why in the first book of the Bible it says, God cre- in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And in the book of Revelation it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven and earth go together because they are totally intertwined. And which one is said first? Heaven. Heaven is the primary reality. It's far greater and more powerful than all earthly realities And it affects us far more than we realize. I was in a group recently when someone had a picture of the Holy Spirit poised over us, just ready, longing to act. That's how it is. The Spirit of God is the presence of God all around us, just waiting for us as channels that he can work through. Some of you have read The Shack The Holy Spirit, Sarai, who is a spirit like a nymph, darting here and there, poised and ready to do good, and she can do it everywhere at once. It's wonderful. 
The spiritual realm all around us is the realm of God who is love. And all he wants to do is to bless humanity. You see, right back with Abraham, God said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll bless those who bless you and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. He said it to Abraham three times and then again to Jacob. God's blessing is all his favor, all his gifts of goodness, and it's for all the peoples on the earth. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Right back to Abraham, 1800 BC. Well, that vision was lost for 1300 years, and then it was reawakened by Isaiah in chapters 42 and 49. And then when the baby Jesus is brought into the temple, the old man Simeon, who'd been told by God he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah, comes in and he holds the baby and he says, Lord, now you can let me die in peace. I've seen your salvation. This child is your light for all the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So at last, 1800 years after Abraham, the blessing for the nations unfolds with Jesus. Jesus forms a community around him who will bless the world. And you and I are part of that community. The disciples of Jesus bring God's blessing, which is the same as his beautiful rule. You see how it all hangs together? It's the kingdom. It's the blessing. And that is the heart of our God, who's poised in his, with his spirit just to bless everywhere around. Now, I don't think that we think like that all the time. I hope you do. I hope you think all the time about the heavenly realm, which is impacting every place, the reception class, wherever you are, the power of that kingdom in you is affecting where you are. Jesus, of course, was completely aware of the spiritual realm, and we, being human beings in God's image, are made to be aware of the spiritual realm. Heaven and earth always together. But sin has made us dull and blind to the spiritual realm. So we're people of the kingdom of God, people of God's repossession, and people of the spiritual realm. Are you with me? In the spiritual realm, there are angels mentioned over 300 times. You can't write them out of the story. But as well as God's army, or better, his air force, as Bill Johnson says, the angels, um, there is the spiritual realm around us of an empire opposed to God. Spirits, fallen fallen angels, demons that work for the adversary. And this is the fundamental battle for the world, more than any human struggles. Well, as believers in Christ, we are to see ourselves above all in the heavenly realm. And that was the force of the first reading we had. God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. That's where we are. This is now not when we die, we are already in the heavenly realms. And then Colossians, which was read, says, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died to sin and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? Your life and mine hidden with Christ 
in God. You are seated at the right hand of God with Christ in the heavenly realms. You're seated with me and others, millions of others, at the heart of the kingdom of God. The heavenly realm is for us to channel. It's amazing. So we're not only to be fully aware of the heavenly realm around us and of the spiritual battle behind all human conflicts, but we're to understand that we are seated at the very heart of that heavenly kingdom. And when we think and act in a way that is good and right, we place ourselves alongside the stream of blessing and the enormous powers of God to bless his world. Every good attitude, every good thought, every good prayer that you have joins in with the stream of God's blessing. That's what we're created for. Just to be part of this enormous passion of God to bless the world. And when we think and act in a way that rebels against God, we join ourselves to the other lot, the powers that destroy. We're spreading a welcome map that says, darkness, you're welcome. And all kinds of disorder then follow, and the Bible calls these curses. You can read it in Deuteronomy chapter 28. So you see how important all our thoughts and moral choices are. They are not neutral. Every thought, prayer and choice is aligning either with the stream of blessing or the stream of darkness. So tune your thoughts to think about the things that are above. Now I want to bring the focus a little bit more down onto prayers of blessing. And let me read you what God says to his Old Testament priests. This is how you to bless the Israelites. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Now, nothing could express more clearly than that the purpose of God to bless. God is to keep them, turn his face towards them, gaze at them lovingly, and be gracious to them. There is nothing harsh in it at all. And that is what he is to you. The Lord bless you and keep you Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you his peace. Isn't it lovely? Do you like it? This is the purpose of God. This is what he told his priesthood in the Old Testament to say to the Israelites. The Lord bless you, keep you, shine his face on you, give you peace. It is wonderful. It is unlimited favor. Now, the Old Testament priests offered sacrifices on behalf of the people to God, and they channeled guidance down through jewels called Urim and Thummim. But now, we are the priestly people. That's what the New Testament said. You're a chosen priesthood, a royal, a chosen people, a royal priesthood. That's what St. Peter says. So, as a priestly people together, we on the one hand offer praise and worship and 
intercession on behalf of the neighborhood to God. And on the other hand, we channel these blessings. We are the channel of blessing. You're the channel of blessing for this neighborhood because you are a priestly people. Very few churches understand their priesthood. Catholics think it's all about dog collars and evangelicals think it's a slogan for anybody can do anything. (laughs) It's about being a priestly people here at St. Paul's. And the channel between heaven and earth flows through you and you can bless the people just as the Lord told Aaron to bless them. Now there's a tradition in the Anglican Church that only priests can bless directly. I can't find anything in Scripture to justify that distinction. So I give you, I have no right to do this, but I give you permission to bless. So please, are you grasping that to bless this whole neighborhood, not only with what you do, but actually with your prayers and blessings, is part of your calling to be a priestly people? Does that make sense to you? You're just joining in with the incredible stream of God to bless. It is an astonishing privilege that we can be a priestly people. I just wish more churches understood it. Blessings are powerful and effective. You read in the Old Testament that when uh, Jacob and Joseph blessed their kids, it was real and powerful. It was of the Spirit. Some of you will have read the grace outpouring about Fowley Brennan. How many of you have read that? Oh, only a few. Well, I recommend it to you. It's a community in West Wales near Fishguard. And a man called Roy Godwin went there about 10 years ago, and he didn't want to go there, but the Lord sent him there. And it was a community already, and he just felt, all right, Lord, I'm here. And the first people who came in, suddenly the Spirit said, well, bless them. So he said, it's a tradition here that everybody who comes in, we bless. Can I bless you? They said, yes. So he said, I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus to know God and his will for your life. And the Spirit fell on them. And the Spirit fell on everyone that he blessed. And they started confessing their sins. He didn't start by pointing out their sins. The principle is grace first. Let's bless first. And then the Spirit will do his work. They started blessing the land and the youth started having triplets. They started blessing the businesses and the businesses that struggled started thriving. People walking by on the coastal path were blown in by the Spirit into the community. It's an amazing story. And it's all about blessing. And it all started from him saying, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I bless you to know God and his will for your life. So I can't get enough of blessings I'm blessing everything left, right, and center. You know, blessings at the end of the service are important. They're not just words. It's a real transaction. If the pastor, senior pastor, as he calls himself, or whoever, says blessing to you, um, it's real. My wife stretches out her hands to receive it. I put my hand on my heart. Some more Catholic people do this. It's real. Take the blessing. Now let me give you some more examples of this, just to sort of, and we're going to do it together in just a moment. When Jesus sent his disciples out to, on, on, two by two, he said, when you first enter a house, say, peace to this house. Did you do that? That's a blessing. Most people, even non-Christians, are happy for you to say, peace to this house. Do it. 
Jesus said it to us. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. That's all right. It either rests or it comes back to you. But it's real, you see. It's not just words. When you go into other houses, say peace to this house. It's a blessing. And, of course, peace to the house means peace to the people there, peace to the land on which the house rests. The man of peace is a messenger who receives the word of peace. Everyone will welcome this. Now let's do it to one another. Just stand up, would you, and just get with the person next to you. doesn't matter who they are. Find out their name. Do it in pairs. Okay. Okay. Can we have a bit of hush? I'm going to say words with which you bless the person next to you. Look them in the eyes. I'm going to use my, my wife's name, although she's here somewhere, hiding from the noise, I think. But <laughs> Anyway, here we are. Say, naming the person, Molly, I bless you with peace. Okay? I bless you with peace. Peace from God to you, your home, and your family. Peace from God to you, your home, and your family. Okay, are you looking in the eyes? And now, in the name of Jesus, I bless the children you pray for. In the name of Jesus, I bless the children you pray for. I bless you to know God and his will for your life. How did, how did that feel? Is that good? You see, it's not just words. You are tapping into the invisible spiritual stream of blessing. Well, you can bless children, of course. Now, just recently, I suddenly discovered how lovely it is to bless my spouse, Wally. I wish I'd learned this 46 years ago. <laughs> but somebody taught me that you can use the... the, 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 the uh, what's the word I want? Acrostic? Bl bless. Body, labor, emotions, social relationships, spiritual relationships. So I bless her body, the aches and pains, eyes, back, wherever it may be. I bless her labor, which is watercolor painting, spiritual direction, uh, a bit of writing and preaching, um, and a course called Issues in Later Life. I bless that. I bless her emotions. 46 years of me doesn't, haven't done her emotions too much good. <laughs> I bless her social relationships and I bless her spiritual relationship to know how much God loves her so that fear is driven out. So I've got enormous joy. You know, when I started doing that, it's only a few months ago, when I started doing that, I felt the sense of spiritual power as I blessed my wife. Uh, sometimes I do it out loud, sometimes I do it, you know, just wherever. Um, but it's got power in it because it's a blessing. Body, 
labor, emotions, social relationships, spiritual. You can bless land. Land and blessing go together. That's what he gave Abraham. By the way, land is loaned to us. It doesn't belong to us. It's God's. That's why it'll only be blessed if people work it in the way that's pleasing to him. And then Jesus and Paul both say, love your enemies. Bless them. Bless those who curse you. Bless those who persecute you, we had earlier. Bless and do not curse. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. Now you see, when we bless our enemies, we're not blessing the adultery and welcoming it, or the drugs, or the viciousness. What we're doing is we're simply overcoming evil with good. We are harnessing the good stream, the great river, and we're driving out the darkness. That's what we do when we bless our enemies. It's good to have forgiven those who've hurt you. That's something really important. But last of all, let's come to the blessing of the community. You see, if we can bless our enemies, we can certainly bless those who aren't our enemies all around. And as I've said earlier, we're not agreeing with adultery or drugs or theft or anything like that. We're simply channeling God's enormous stream of goodness. So right back when I was a vicar in Coventry, I, used, I got our church at the end of the service, having been blessed, to turn around, throw open the doors, and bless the city of Coventry. And in Cumbria, I tried to teach every local church to bless its community at the end of the Sunday morning service. And I really believe that if every church did that, the whole shape of the spiritual atmosphere in Cumbria would change. So let's bless now this neighborhood. You might like to turn and face, yes, turn and face where you live. 